Welcome to the Calvary Young Adults Podcast. We exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. Here's today's sermon. So I'm going to begin with uh, an invitation. I, I mean, Joel, you said something about being able to sleep in so you could go to the 11 o'clock service. Oh, man, I got a, I got a great offer for you guys. Um, at Salt Company. So I'm the pastor for Seasoned Adult Ministry at Calvary. So we work with people 60 plus. And I call them seasoned adults. We don't use the word seniors. I dumped that term when I got here. Uh, so Seasoned Adult Ministry. And we have Salt Company meets on second and fourth Sundays at, at here it is, Joel, nine o'clock in the morning. I know, it's killer, right? But, but uh, so we have an invitation to you all. December 10th, Nine o'clock. No, it's actually, this thing starts at eight. I'm sorry, 8.15. Breakfast, but it's breakfast. <laughs> you can come and have breakfast with us. And then we can, we can hang out together. And we're, uh, we're working through and finishing up a, a little book that's just taken off among our seasoned all people. The book's called The Joy Switch. And we have gotten 125 copies of this thing out into Calvary. And we have some extras if you want to join on that. Was just a, anyway, love to have you be a part of it. We have tables and, we, and we, the idea is we get to know each other. You know, we get to share life together from all of our different perspectives. And I, so you are invited. Um, we'll just keep working on this, Sarah and uh, Brian. Maybe we can, <laughs> I mean, the breakfast is going to be really good. We're, rumors are it might be breakfast burritos. So uh, more seriously, I, have, I, I was sharing with Brian, I just really have appreciated the opportunity to come and speak tonight uh, and muse with you uh, on this subject. I know you guys have been working on talking about the Trinity, uh, huge. Uh, and, and, and Brian asked if I would come and, and reflect together with you on God the Father. And um, I, I feel very challenged by this, but invited. And, and I... And I so what I'm going to be sharing with you tonight is, is um, I've prayed over this. I've worked really hard on this. I'm going to bring you everything I got on this tonight, okay? So kind of a buckle up. So let's begin with the problem that many have with what Jesus said to his followers in the upper room the night before, he was, he, the night before his arrest, before he went to the cross. You know this in John 14. He had just told them that he would go and prepare a place for them that he would come again and take them to himself so that where he would be, they would be. And then Jesus said, and you know the way to the place where I'm going. You know this text? Yeah. Honest Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And then Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, the problem here, of course, is that this sounds so exclusive, right? I mean, what about all the other religions? Uh, I met a guy where I work out who seems to be a lot, he seems to be very into horoscopes. And I, we were hanging out talking. He says, so what months were you born? I said, I was born in the month of May. He said, oh, you're a Taurus. And I said, well, I think that's a lot of bull. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that. Um, you know, what if somebody's a Buddhist? What if somebody's Hindu or Muslim or Jewish for that matter? Uh, but before we go too far down this rabbit trail, let me make an observation. Notice what Jesus does not say to Thomas. He did not say, no one comes to God except through me. Did you catch the difference? 
Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is not commenting here on other religions. He's sharing an intimate reality that only he knows that he wants to share with every single human being on the planet. So think about this. Father is not a name, is it? It's a role. It describes a person who is in a relationship. I have a daughter, and that makes me a father. If I did not have a daughter, I would not be a father. I would still be me, but I would not be a father. So how do we know God as father? Because God has a son. Jesus, the son, reveals God to you and me as father. If it were not for Jesus on the planet, we could not know God as Jesus reveals him to us as father. That makes sense? That means we can begin to get to know God as father through seeing how God relates to his son, Jesus. So Jesus rejoiced when 70 came back from their mission. It was amazing things happening. And uh, Jesus was rejoicing and he prayed, all things have been handed over to me by my father and no one knows who the son is except the father or who the father is except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. By the way, I, I think how this has all gone uh, in, in here at YA these last two weeks is, is the right way to, do, to talk about the Trinity. We had a conversation before this all began, Brian, about, I don't know, six weeks ago. And we talked about, well, typically we'd go Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's the progression, but then we reversed it. So we began with Pastor Sean two weeks ago talking about the Holy Spirit. You begin with the Holy Spirit, the very breath of God who brings the word of God to us, who, the Spirit of God who drives God's word deep into our hearts. The, the word spirit in the Greek and in the, in the Hebrew as well means wind and breath and spirit. To talk about the Spirit of God is to talk about the, the experience of the, of the brush of the breeze on the face. That close, that intimate is where you begin to talk about the Trinity. How, how God is with us in a way that we can actually feel and experience. And then we move from talking about the Holy Spirit to what Brian was talking about last week. We're talking about God the Son. We move to God the Son, who is Jesus is God on the planet, so that we can see the face of God. Embodied in Jesus on the planet to take us on, to help us. Know God as, and this is the challenge we have for us tonight, to know God as our Father. Now, all three of these ways of talking about God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Spirit, Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, Son, Father, all three of these ways are relationship-describing words. And I don't know if this has been said in the course of these last couple of weeks, but it, this is hard to wrap our heads around, but God in who God is, is a relationship. In who God is. I can't exactly explain that better in the way I just said that. God is in who God is, a relationship. 
But there's another problem. So I, years ago, I did my doctoral dissertation on fathering. And very quickly, I had to face the reality that many people are, and here's the term that got coined in all that I was reading and in my experience with people, well, many people are, here's the term, father wounded. Maybe the father was not around much. That's called father absence. Maybe they were harsh. Maybe they were even abusive. Which raises a whole other kind of questions, right? How does someone relate to Father God when their earthly experience is one of damage and betrayal and alienation? Over the years, I've had the conversation with uh, many people as a pastor, people coming to share with me, honestly, their struggle with God as Father because of the pain that they experience with their own fathers. I want to... I submit this to you tonight. It's true that how we learn to relate to others directly informs how we will relate to God. That is true. How we learn to relate to each other and people around us directly informs how we will relate to God. That is true. But it is also true that the relationship we develop over time with God as our Father can inform how we relate to others, including even our earthly fathers. That is equally true. Which goes first <laughs> is an interesting mystery. It's the chicken or the egg question. And if that's your question tonight, I just want to ask you to bear with me. Because... Jesus, the Son's experience of God the Father, challenges the assumptions some of us have drawn based on our experiences with our earthly fathers. So in a church where I served uh, some years ago, we had a, a guy on our staff named Moses. Uh, and Moses grew up in Kenya. And he grew up in the Maasai tribe, and the Maasai tribe is a nomadic tribe where the men, the young men, are, are taught, enculturated to become warriors. And Moses' story is, 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 is amazing. When he was a boy, a young boy, he came to Christ through mission workers with world vision. And, and Moses, it turned out, was quite bright. And he did very well in school, so later he received scholarships that allowed him to attend a Christian college in the United States, where he excelled academically, and that led to his ability to attend Fuller Seminary, where he eventually got his PhD in theology. It was fun to have this guy on our staff. Moses told us a story about the time that he returned to his tribe while he was in the United States learning all these things, and he went back to his tribe in Kenya, and to sit with, and the elders invited him to sit in the circle of the elders. 
Because at this point, Moses had become a warrior. He was a Maasai warrior. He had, the, he, had, he, had, he had gone through everything you have to do, to, including being, being attacked by a wild animal to, to uh, have him become uh, a warrior. He was a legitimate Maasai warrior. And they invited him to sit in the circle. And the, and the elders said, Moses, tell us what you are learning. And he thought about how am I going to do this with my my family, my people in, the, in, the Maasai, in this Maasai tribe. And he decided to tell them a story Jesus tells in Luke 15. It's a story you all know well. It's a story of two sons and a loving father. And, and it may be, in fact, it may be Jesus' best known story. It may be worldwide, it may be the best known story. You know how it goes. One day, the youngest son decides to take off on his own. He asks for his share of the inheritance, which in that culture is basically the same as saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Incredibly, as Jesus tells the story, <laughs> the father grants the request. The son goes off, blows his money on wild living, and ends up slopping pigs. Could you imagine Jesus tells the story to Jewish people? It's scandalous, right? And I love how, how Jesus puts it. When the, then, uh, then the son came to himself. The son came to himself. You're going to have that experience in your life, as I, sure, I certainly have had in mine. There comes a moment, you know, when you're off someplace trying stuff and it's not going well. There comes a moment in our lives, it's a turning a point where we come to ourselves. Moment of clarity. It dawned on him, maybe, maybe he could return home as a field hand. At least that way you'd have something decent to eat, a place to sleep, decent clothes to wear. And the way Jesus tells a story, we, we can picture, just the way that Jesus tells a story, we can picture this father every day, day after waiting day, his eyes scanning the horizon trying to spy that familiar silhouette of his boy coming over the rise, waiting, watching. And then one day it happened. I think that's him. That's my boy. And the way Jesus tells it, the, the father runs through the village to get to the other side, to get to his son as fast as he can. Subtle little note we didn't know about until the, around the middle part of the 20th century, a father running through a village, it's not done. Not in that culture. Not in most cultures. An elderly man, an elder of the village, running anywhere is undignified. Shameful. This father doesn't care what anybody thinks about him. He's, he's running to wrap his arms around his boy. 
And he's not listening to the boy, the son, who's got a speech all prepared about how he could work out on a range and be a field hand. The father's not even listening to him. He's too busy shouting orders. Put a robe on him. Put a ring on his hand. Get in some sandals. Get the fatted calf ready. We're going to have a party. This son of mine, son of mine was dead. Now he's, he is alive. So Moses told the story <laughs> to the elders. And he told the rest of the story, how the older brother who heard all the noise, the parting, the music, the sound of dancing, the feasting, the rejoicing, came to complain to his father. What are you doing? This knucklehead returns home. He squandered the inheritance. And you're throwing him a party? Seriously. What about me? I haven't been anywhere. <laughs> I've worked my tail off. What do I get? There's a famous painting by Rembrandt that helps us envision this scene. As you look at this, uh, look at the older brother. Off to one side, notice his arms. The older brother holding himself against all the drama that's unfolding right in front of him. His little brother at his father's knees. The father's hands touching his boy with love and gladness and joy. In Jesus' telling of the story, the father turns to his older son and he says, Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. We have to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He has been lost, and now he's been found. And that's where Jesus leaves the story. We're left hanging, wondering, what will the older brother do? Will he enter into his father's joy? Or won't he? So when, Jesus, when Moses finished telling the story to the elders of his tribe, the elders sat in silence for a long time. And then finally the leader of the tribe said, Moses, don't ever tell us this story ever again. Why? Why? Because Jesus shares a way to imagine God as Father that undoes what those elders have always assumed about the role of the Father. Jesus' story, it seemed to them, threatened to undermine their authority and the power that went with it to lead their tribe. What might happen if fathers in the tribe behaved the way this father in Jesus' story behaved? What if God behaved this way? What if God is really like this? You know, like, like a loving father. What if, what, what if this, what if God is like a loving father scanning, waiting, watching all those created in his image, his children to come to themselves and decide it's time to come home? 
See, Jesus tells the story this way, open to how it ends, to invite you and me. <laughs> you see what he's doing? This is genius. Jesus tells a story in such a way that he, he is endeavoring to draw you and me into it. If you are willing, you don't have to, to be drawn into this story, to see yourself, to see myself as greatly loved, as sought after, as one God, as, as our God Father longs to embrace us. And to invite us into his joy. Jesus tells us in such a way that we're asking ourselves, which brother am I? <laughs> Another way to put this is, what story is it that I'm telling myself? There's a... Just a dear man, he's now with the Lord. He's a Catholic brother, a monk. Wrote a lot of great books. He's a spiritual guide. His name was Henri Nouwen, Henry Nouwen. Uh, at one point in his life, spent weeks sitting in front of this painting with exactly these questions. And I found this little video. It's about two and a half minutes. i just love for you to meet Henri Nouwen. Let's watch this. When I saw the poster of the Rembrandt painting in which the father embraces his returning son, I was totally overwhelmed. And when I saw this embrace, I said, that's where I want to be. And out of that, I started to think about myself as the, as the prodigal son that wanted to return home. But then I started to study the painting, and I went all the way to St. Petersburg to see the original painting of Rembrandt. The older son suddenly started to speak to me, that I'm the older son myself, you know, in my family, that there was a lot of resentment in me a lot of, of, of not fully enjoying being in the church. And so I suddenly discovered I was these two sons, both. And then something incredibly important happened. I, I got very depressed and I had to take some time away. And one member of my community came to visit me and she said, Henry, you're talking about yourself being the younger son and you're talking about yourself being the older son, <laughs> but you have to be the father now. That's who you call to be, the father. And look at the father in the painting. You know, look, the father, the father has a hand of a mother and a hand of a father. has a male hand and a female hand touching the son. Look at the father who is like a mother with a big cloak, like the mother bird who holds his young saint. Look at the father who wants to welcome his son back without asking any questions. The father didn't even want to hear the story of the younger son. The father doesn't even want to hear the story of the older son. He wants them to be back home on the same table with him uh, so that they can grow up and become like him. And I suddenly discovered my, my final vocation is, is to not only to go home, but to bring people home by saying, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. Just get out the, the, the beautiful ring and get all the sandals and get all, let's, let's celebrate because you're back. 
Yeah. So I, uh, if you've never heard of Henri Nouwen, uh, there is one book that I, I just, you can write this down or someplace. The book is called The Return of the Prodigal. His, his work is reflection on this painting. The whole book is about that journey for him. The, the father in Jesus' story wants both sons to enter into his joy. Let me say that again. The father wants both sons to enter into his joy. Uh, in uh, Salt Company, uh, with his joy, the, work, the book of Joy Switch, uh, the, the, the basis of the work of the Joy Switch book is rooted in scripture, but also in neuroscience. And neuroscience is telling us what God's word has been drive, trying to get across to us uh, what Jesus is wanting you and me to see about God, whom he calls and invites us to call our Father. So here's what joy is, according to Dr. Dr. Alan Shore, teaches neuroscience at UCLA, he's a neuroscience researcher. Joy is, Dr. Shore's definition, joy is the sparkle you see in someone's eye that says, I'm glad to be with you. Joy is the sparkle you see in someone's eye that says, I am glad to be with you. God the Father delights in us. God the Father wants you and me to be filled with his joy. One of my favorite people, Dallas Willard, stood on a beach in South Africa taking in the unspeakable beauty of creation. Uh, and he came to see that God is the most joyful being in the universe. This might be a kind of a paradigm shift for some folks tonight <laughs> to think about God that way. That fits with what we hear in Genesis 1. After God made everything, uh, created everything toward the end of chapter 1 of Genesis, God, like an artist, steps back from the canvas. And what does God say? Oh, it's very good. It's the delight in the, create, in the creating. The, 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 it's the delight of the artist and the joy of having created something amazingly beautiful, which includes you and me. God's joy is on display the day Jesus was baptized. The heavens, I love this, the heavens opened and the dove, something, the spirit descends like a dove, right? Notice something? It never says the heavens close back up. They're still open. God pouring joy down on us. I love Sarah, your prayer. In these days, God is pouring joy down on us. And Lord God, we need it. More joy. 
So the heavens open and some, the spirit descends like a dove and a voice is heard of a loving father. This is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Right? God is, in who God is, a relationship. Something like this again happened. Uh, I, this is one of my favorite texts because I like to hike. I like to backpack, get up in the mountains. You know, Brian and I, we compare a lot of notes on this kind of stuff. Well, here's, here's a backpacking story, Brian. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John with him on a hike. <laughs> and maybe they're carrying stuff. I don't know. And they go to the top of a mountain. And they get to the top of the mountain. You know how this goes. Suddenly, Jesus shone like starlight on earth. And then Moses and Elijah show up. And then Peter, he wants to set up tents. Are you kidding me? You know, right? He doesn't know what to do. And there's this voice. And it's the voice speaking the sound of sheer joy. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. <laughs> God is the most joyful being in the universe. As I said, the Spirit is very close to us. So in Romans 8, Paul writes in Romans 8, you, us, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. Now think about what this means. Adoption means no matter what your earthly family is or mine, no matter your world experience, when you receive him into your life, you enter into a new family. You know what that means? I am your brother. I am your brother. And you are my sisters and brothers. Amen? Amen. That's what happened. When you said yes to him, when any said, we do this in Salt Company all the time. So here you are, and here's Jesus. <laughs> when you receive Christ into your life, you become something new. You are a member of a new family. Guess who is our father, right? We have our father in common. God is our father. So Paul says, you have received the spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it's that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Oh, man. Have you ever had the experience in a time of great, maybe despair, hopelessness, fear, uh, and you say, dear God, God, right? God, help me. Or maybe it comes out, Father, help me. Is a sign of the Spirit in you that you are His. The Holy Spirit helping you, helping me lift up that prayer of desperation. is a sign that you are his, that I am his.
His spirit with us, in us, helping us connect to know that we are seen, even sometimes to be able to say, I see you seeing me. But that, that takes silence, that takes stillness, that takes time to, to be able to get into that space where away from distraction to say, Lord, I can see you seeing me. When we pray Abba, that means Father. That's the way Jesus knows God. That's God helping us to know God as our Father. And that's just the beginning. So when Jesus teaches us to pray what we have come to call the Lord's Prayer, we begin our Father, not my Father, our Father. The word our, in the beginning of that prayer, already Jesus is teaching me I'm a part of a community. Not me, us. Our Father, we're in this together, and what follows in that prayer is really the Lord's Prayer is really about how we nurture this relationship with our Father in heaven, which, by the way, is very close to us. Heaven is very close. In the Hebrew mind, that when you look at the sky or in the starry night, the, the, the blue in the, in, the, in the daytime, the blue sky is heaven, near heaven. It's way deeper than that. In the Hebrew mind, that's near heaven. And the air that we are actually breathing in our lungs that keeps us alive is heaven inside of us keeping us alive. Literally that close. We pray for our Father in heaven to join with all creation, hallowing his name for his rule, his purpose, his reign to come on earth as it is in heaven, to pray for provision for our, our bread is not my bread, it's our bread. Now we're praying for people who are hungry. Now we're praying for making a difference. We're praying for things to work so that there's food for people who are hungry. That we become forgiving and merciful, that we stay awake and not be seduced into seeking revenge or slink away to hide in fear, but to have courage knowing that our Father delivers us from the evil one. Ben, how you started tonight? We need that deliverance. God our Father has an amazing future for us that begins the moment we receive his warm, strong embrace. Here's a question Dr. Willard, Dallas Wilder would like to ask people. What do you see yourself doing in 500 years? Think about it. We're practicing now. And practicing now because we're going to be doing this a really, really long time. <laughs> that time itself is a creation. I said at the beginning of this that our Father God can change the relationship we have with our own earthly fathers. So all my life, my dad was an encouraging presence in my life. I have a, I have a happy, happy story to say about my dad. But there was one thing missing in my relationship with my dad. He had nothing to say about my life as a follower of Jesus. I don't think he knew what to say. 
I mean, he supported me when I went off to seminary. He came to hear me preach in churches where I served. One time, we were at the barbecue after church. He had come to church. We're we're cooking hamburgers. This is a Sunday afternoon. And my father said to me, son, I see what you're doing. Go for it. That's as close as he ever came to a blessing. I took it. He drifted in and out, mostly out of churches. In his later years, he became frail. He was on kidney dialysis. That kept him alive. One day, I was at my parents' house because my mom called in desperation, said, come now. Your father has decided not to go do dialysis. Just as I stepped into the living room, I got a call from a friend. I had just left that her husband, John, had just passed. I prayed with her, uh, John's wife, on the phone, and then I stepped into the den where I realized that my dad had heard every word, including the prayer he prayed on on the phone for John and his family. I stepped into the den, and Dad asked me, what was that all about? I explained that John had been in hospice, and that that John had done his soul work. John was ready. John was a man at peace. And then when I left him, I had left him to come be, my mom had called and said, come now. I had left that family, I had come to go to my, my, my family's house, and in transit, somewhere near John had died. And I explained this to my father, and my dad sat in silence. My dad, who had decided he was not going to return to dialysis. And I prayed, what do I say to my dad? You know, my mom's in in the kitchen like this. She can't face him. Send the son in, you know. (laughs) Change his mind, right? I prayed, Lord, what am I going to say to my dad? And this is what came, okay? I broke the silence. Pop! Jesus is God on the planet to say to everyone, don't you go thinking this is all there is. I made you. I know how you can get. (laughs) You can actually convince yourself that this is all there is. I get it. I said, Dad, Jesus is God on the planet to show us and make it possible for us, open the way for us, that anyone who believes in Jesus, for that person, there's more future in front of them than there is past behind them. More silence. <laughs> and then my dad surprised me. He said, well, that's exciting. And I said, yeah, Pop, that is exciting. More silence. And then he said, can we pray? And you understand, never in my life had I ever heard my father say that. Never. He was 86. Yeah, Pop, we can pray. I got to pray with my dad. Him praying with me. 
for the first time in my life. Four days later, he went to be with the Lord. But he lived those last days as a new man. My dad was transformed. It, it, for me, it's a precious memory. A gift that God gave me through my father of how we are greatly loved of our father in heaven. Hallowed be his name. God the Father delights in you too. Just as he delighted in my father, he delights in you too. He wants you and me to be filled with his joy. If you are willing, if you are open, I have a little exercise for us. Okay? Can we turn these lights down a little bit? Don't need this big light. Not on me. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to settle in your seats. You know, maybe uh, put your stuff down. And what I want to invite you to do, you don't have to do this. But if you're willing, you could put both feet on the flat on the floor and your hands comfortably on your laps. Turn out lights down even lower, please. Let's get it darker in here. I want to invite you to close your eyes. Not so dark because I can't read this. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. You guys are amazing. So close your eyes. I just want to invite you to breathe slowly and deeply. Taking in air, letting your breath out slowly, breathe in grace, breathe out worship, just feel yourself settling, settling down, breathe in. Breathe out. I want, to, I want to invite you to remember a time, maybe it's a place, maybe it's people you're with where you feel completely at ease, where you felt totally accepted. Maybe it's a place where you're in amazing beauty, where you feel strong and warmth and good. I want to invite you to be in that place. I want to invite you to ask our Father in heaven what he wants to show you about himself with this place.
thank you, Father God, for this place, for this memory. Dear Father God, we give you thanks for these moments. Some that are surprising to us, how close you are to each one of us. That you gave us this memory, this place, this time with people and beauty. That you love us that much, this much. And we pray with the grace of your spirit in us like breath in our lungs in the name of your son and our Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, before we go any further, I want to invite you to think of a nickname for this memory. Give it a name. In your own mind, a one to two word description When you say that word, that nickname, that memory pops to mind, okay? Give it a name. Got it? So we know that when we remember, this is how our brains are, we re-experience. We actually are there. And I've invited you to go to that place. I've tried to describe it, that place for you, and you, wherever that place is for you. It'd be really cool, some, maybe after YA tonight or somewhere during the week, to share with someone else that place. Share that place with someone else. And, when, and then say, what about you? What's your place? And you listen. And, and the sharing that place becomes even richer and deeper. It becomes more important. Give it a name. Now, next step. Come up with 10 of these. You can do it. Take a little while. 10 memories. 10 nicknames. Then recall these 10 at least once a day for the next month. I can just about promise you it will change you. And if you think about those places, those memories that you've given nicknames to, and you think about that like I, the question I asked you, God, what is it? God, what is it you want to show me about yourself with this place? You are experiencing the love of the Father. And how much he loves you. And me. Uh, We call these Emmanuel moments, by the way. Emmanuel moments, God with us moments. Emmanuel moments of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit with you, now and forever. Go in peace, my friends. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this message. I hope it was a blessing to you and want to invite you to join us on Thursday nights for service at 7 p.m. To connect with us, follow us on Instagram at calvoye underscore or on our website, calvarywestlake.org.